Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. We as a society have embraced new phrases that have been created by the crisis moments that we've been living in. Things like 500-year flood, social distancing, and I can't breathe. Americans are among the most stressed people in the world, and the stress level, it is rising. Psalms chapter 55 and verse 6 reads, I say to myself, if only I could fly away from all of this, if only I could run away to the place of rest and peace. And I want you to hold on to that thought that David was saying, I wish I could get to the place of rest. And there is a place. The other day I told Suzanne, with all that's happening with the COVID-19 and the protesting across the nation, I, I would just, I'd, I'd love to take a break. But where can I go to get away from it? Where can I go and escape from what's happening in the world today? And David had the same feelings. I want to stand up before the nation this morning and call for a reprieve. Just a reprieve. The word reprieve, as you know, means to give relief or deliverance uh, to for a time. Uh, to temporarily respite as from pain or trouble. Just, just to stand before the nation and, and, and not ignore our issues, but just almost call a time out. Could we call a timeout for the weekend? And then Monday we'll pick it back up and we'll start again. But just a reprieve. Just declare a reprieve over the nation. Here recently I've heard people say, in lieu of all that's happening, heaven is looking better. That's a sad statement. Life is such a precious gift. And yet today, life has become so much that it's become too much where people are saying heaven is looking better every day. Holy Spirit over the last few days begin to deal with me about where we are and what you on the campus and online need here today. And he dealt with my heart about this reprieve. I know that heaven's looking better. And I know like David, you say, I wish I could fly away. I wish I could run away to that place of rest and peace. But I can't take you to heaven. But just perhaps for a brief moment in here today, I can bring heaven to you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 28. This is the story of Jacob, Bethel. We're going to read only verses 16 and 17. I'll will refer to the others, but just to conserve time, we'll only read those two. So as you're turning, let me just remind everyone. You see, our longing for heaven comes from the fact that we were made for another world. We were made for a better world. 
Ecclesiastes 3 says, within man is the sense of eternity. And that's why we have this longing for another world, for a better world. Because as people of righteousness, as we see sickness and disease and hatred and murder all around us, we have this within us, this longing for something better. And that's the tension that we live with on planet earth, but longing for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Genesis 28, verses 16 and 17. Jacob, as you know, has come to this place. He's laid his head upon a rock. He's had a dream, and now he's awakened from the dream of seeing the ladder reaching down from heaven to earth and the angels ascending and descending, and the Lord speaking to him and saying, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your descendants. As the song we just sang on the, called The Blessing, God said to him, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless your descendants. And, and he had this phenomenal dream, and, 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 and the Lord was at the top of the ladder, and, and then the Lord actually, I believe, took him to a place and, and it gave him a different perspective, and he was able to, to see the future and to see the blessings of the Lord upon his family and his descendants' his seed. And so he had a heavenly perspective of the future. And he saw this ladder reaching from planet earth to heaven and angels up and down, up and down. And then in verse 16, we read, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of the Lord. This is the gate of heaven. Let's title this a touch of heaven. Father, bless the reading of your word. Minister to your people today during this very challenging time and may for a brief moment there be a reprieve. I can't take them to heaven, but Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to bring heaven to them. We pray this in Christ's name and everybody say amen. I just want to remind you of a few things, and then we're going to worship together. First of all, you have to remember that heaven is a dimension of reality. Interesting in verse 16, Jacob, he awoke from this sleep state, and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't know it. That's a phenomenal thing, that the Lord was here, and I didn't know it. Do you know that there's never been a time in your life when you've been alone now, you may have felt loneliness, but you've never been alone. He's always been with you in the good, the bad, and the ugly. David said it this way, if I make my bed in hell, he said, you're there. If you go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. No matter what hell you've been through, he was always there with you. He's been, through, uh, he's been with you through Rita, Ike, Harvey, Imelda. COVID-19, and now the protesting across this nation. He's always been there with you. You say, but I didn't feel that. It doesn't matter. He's always been there with you. Even when you were being good, bad, or ugly, he was always there with you. No matter how dark the night, no matter how deep the hell, he's always been there with you. So the first thing I want you to see here is God's presence is not contingent on your physical senses or your circumstances. And you need to know that. The death of Lazarus, Jesus shows up late for a reason. Martha and Mary come up and say, had you been here? Had you been here? 
had you just been here. Why do we always equate death and tragedy with, as the absence of God? Or why do we define tragedy and death as the absence of God? That's not true. He was there. God's always there. He's always been there. But tragedy has a tendency of revealing our thoughts and our feelings and our theology. Tragedy can challenge you. But you have to know that God's presence is not contingent on the way you feel or the circumstances that are around you. Acts chapter 17. So that they should seek the Lord, speaking of you and I, in the hope that they might grope for him and find him. Though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, or that word being can be existence or occurrence. Your life is existing and it's occurring right in the middle of God's presence. He's all around you. No matter what you feel, no matter what you see, God has never left you. He's always there. But he did say that we grope for him. We grope. We're constantly groping. Have you, have you, been, have you found yourself over the last several months trying to find where God is? I've asked the question with COVID-19 and now with all the protesting, I've said, God, where are you? Where is God in the midst of all this? Let me tell you exactly where God is. I want you to take a deep breath. He was in the breath that you just took. He's all around you. He's all around you. He hasn't left you. In the midst of all this, God is still there even though we grope for him. In the darkness, we, find, we try to find him. God has never forsaken you or me. We talk about his omnipresence. Now, his omnipresence is the attribute of being present everywhere at the same time. God is everywhere. As David said, go to heaven, you're there. Go to hell, you're there. Where can I go and not find you? You need to know that. That means that omnipresence, being present everywhere at the same time, that means he's the alpha and the omega. That means that before the storm started, he was there. During the storm and after the storm. That, that, that means that he's there waiting on you and your future. That when you get there, he's already been there. Have you ever gone to a place that you didn't see his footprints in front of you? He's already there. You say, oh, pastor, I'm afraid of what's coming upon the earth. That's okay, he's there. You say, pastor, I'm afraid of what tomorrow's going to bring. It's okay, he's already there. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He started it, he'll finish it. You say, but pastor, what's going to happen to America? Well, whatever happens, he's already there. He's got this, okay? And you need to find peace in that. Because remember, we're trying to find the place of rest and peace. You're trying to find it. You want to fly to it, run to it, like the psalmist said. Well, just know that in your tomorrow, he's already there. He's omnipresent. But we, we like the manifest presence, especially us charismatic, spirit-filled Pentecostals. We want the manifest presence of God. I'm always saying to God, to, to Father, Father, show up and then show out. Come on. Come on and do your thing. Let the glory of God fill the house. The manifest presence of God. What is that? That's when theological information becomes experiential knowledge. You see, we believe in a religion, in a relationship with God that's interactive, that is personal and intimate. So we have the theology of the presence of God, but we want to experience the presence of God in the church that amen. And so we're looking for that manifested presence. I appreciate that he's 
everywhere at the same time. I appreciate that he's in the good, the bad, and the ugly. I appreciate that. But I want to know, I, I want to see that manifest presence right here, right now. How about you? I want to see signs and wonders and miracles, and I want to feel his presence. People that say, well, I don't have to feel his presence. I don't relate to that. I, there are just some times that I get along with my father, and I say, look, I, 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 I tell him in my private prayer, I tell him, look, I, I need to feel your touch. I, I need to hear your voice. I, I need to feel your breath on my face because the identity of his son is shaped by the breath of his father. And so I, I need you to get up in here with me, Father, and I need you to talk to me because I'm trying to make some sense of a senseless situation. And I need you to talk to me. So I need the manifested presence of God. You see, God engineered man for his glory. You were engineered for that in the beginning. Let us create man in our image after our likeness. Spirit, soul, and body. We were engineered for his glory. That's why we walked in the garden in the cool of the day and we were naked and we did not know it. We felt no shame because man was clothed by the glory of God. It was garments of light. And that's why when you pull the glory back, man realizes he's naked. He realizes he's vulnerable. He realizes. And that's why we as Christians, we come into church and we want a presence-driven church. We want an experience because for a brief moment, we need a reprieve from all that. For a brief moment, we need to be clothed in garments of light. For a brief moment, we need to step into the glory of God and just be able to breathe and to be able to sense his presence and feel his presence and, 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 and find that place of peace and rest, as the psalmist said. We need that desperately. It's oxygen to our soul. We were engineered for the glory of God. And we feel naked and we feel ashamed and we feel broken and we feel vulnerable when we don't have that glory. We need to be clothed, engineered. The glory of God is an atmosphere that the human spirit instinctively longs and searches for. That's why you can have a service where the glory of God, which is the manifested presence of God, fills a sanctuary and sinners, the heathen, unreligious, ignorant, whoever is in the room, they'll go, I don't know what's going on, but I know this feels right. It's something good. Instinctively, they know they were engineered and built for the glory of God. So you need to know that God's presence is not contingent upon your feelings, though, and your circumstances. He's always there with you. And you may long for it, but that's because you were engineered for it. And it's oxygen to your soul. The second point here I want you to see is that our dimension of time, and that's what we're in right now. We call it chronological time. It's the clock. We're in it. Our dimension of time and heaven's dimension of eternity, they overlap, okay, from time to time. They overlap. That's why in a service you can see things, you can hear things, you can, people have seen angels, people can see the glory of God, you can see it. There's times when you feel things, there's times when I have felt the anointing in a physical, tangible way. There's been times that I have heard things, I have seen things. 
It's because eternity and time, two dimensions, they have a tendency to, they can overlap, overlap, okay? Now, the problem for you and I, and the reason we struggle with this concept is because we have a typical understanding of dimension. It's length, width, and depth, a three-dimensional box. That's the way we live our lives, three-dimensional, length, width, and depth. And so we have a tendency to limit God to our understanding. And that's why it's important that you search the scriptures, not only to understand the acts of the Lord as Israel did, but to understand the ways of the Lord as Moses did. Because you need to understand not only what he does, but why he does it. You need to think outside the box. Say, think outside the box. You've got to start thinking the way God thinks. That's why to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's more than you talking in tongues. It means to be filled with the nature of God. You act like God. That means to be filled with the mind of God. You think like God. That means that you hear what God hears. You see what God sees and you're able to speak what God speaks. It's the life of God through a human being. As much as, a, a, uh, as, much as it is dem demonic activity through the demoniac, so is it with, uh, with uh, a heavenly expression with God's nature being expressed through the spirit-filled Christian. And so we are epistles read and known of all men. And so I think like God, I act like God, I talk like God, I hear like God, I see like God, and you've got to think outside the box. Now, theoretical physicists believe there are at least 10 dimensions in the universe. And the way all these dimensions relate to one another isn't so much in distance, but in space and time overlap. I say that only to point out to you that even the world believes that there are different dimensions and they overlap with each other. Now, let me give you an example of this. Matthew 17, 2. Jesus on the mount, Peter, James, and John, he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. So in that moment, we see dimension of time and dimension of eternity. And there was an overlap. There was a breakthrough. Jesus was able to reach through the veil of the Holy of Holies, and he was able to touch the glory of God. There was an overlap. The word transfigured there in the Greek, metamorph metamorphophu, it means to change into another form, to transform, to transfigure, or change appearance. That's what happened to him. He transfigured. He transformed. There was a transition of his form there was a transition of his figure, his appearance, and that's what you and I need today. We need a moment where time and eternity overlap. We need to take our hand and press it through that veil. Do you understand that there's a dimension in this room right now, a dimension of eternity that's just a breath away? And that's what I want you to understand. I want us to come to the place again where we, we, we realize that we're just a breath away from a miracle. We're just a breath away from, from uh, the dimension of eternity, of heaven. We, we, we feel like we're on planet earth and heaven is way, 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 way up there. That's why God wouldn't allow Israel to put their altars on high places. Because God took an offense to that. Because Israel was saying, we're going to put our altars up on top of the mountain. Because that will get us as close to you as we can possibly get. And God's saying, no, 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 no. 
He said to Israel, I will walk among you. I will be your God and you will be my people. So they're up on the mountain with their little altars and they're screaming and cutting themselves and spitting and cussing and doing all that they did. And, and God's down, in, down in, the, in the camp saying, hey guys, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down here. I'm not way up, I'm down here. I'm down here. You see, God took offense to that because when Israel put their altars up on the high mountain trying to get close to him, they never realized that he wanted to be up close and personal. And we can do the same thing. We come to church and we're, we're screaming and we're, we're, we're in travail and we're foaming at the mouth and we're, and, you know, we're working hard and working up a sweat, trying to get God to come down from heaven. And he's just right, right here. He's just a breath away. So we have to realize that this dimension of eternity is parallel to this dimension of time and they do overlap and we need to be transfigured. <laughs> Recently, because I'm fighting it on two fronts, COVID-19 and the protest, and because I'm fighting it as a pastor and a politician, as a council member, I'm fighting this thing and I'm, citizens are pulling on me and emails and phone calls and texts and, and, and there's, there's meetings I'm going to and protests I'm attending and, and, and working with people and trying to keep, trying to keep things in the, between the lines and, and trying so hard to, to lead our city and, and, and move forward. And, and, and there are times when I can feel this getting on me. I, I can feel. And, and that's when I made the statement that the other day to Suzanne, I, 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 would, I would get away from it, but I don't know where to go. And you feel this, and, and, and that's when you go into prayer. I, I, you go into prayer, and I, I, I come to the church, or I, I go at, I'm at home, and I, I come in here, and I put my, my, my earbuds in, and I put on some soaking music, and I pray, and I get in his presence, and suddenly I'm transfigured. My countenance begins to change. I'm transformed. I take on a new shape. And suddenly, I leave the sanctuary feeling like I can fight again. I can face another day. L listen, if you're going through this without the presence of God, you're, you're in trouble. You, you're going to need to find your private place where, where you can have that moment with him where you are transformed, where you are transfigured, where your countenance will change. He'll lift your countenance. He'll, and you're able to lift your head up and look to the hills from which cometh your help. You're going to have to do this, guys. You've got to have time with him or you're not going to make it. As we preached before, the glory of God is so vital because it's therapeutic. It's therapeutic. And so for people that don't understand, why do y'all do lights or, you know, music and, you know, whatever. Just remember, when y'all went, well, primarily you ladies, when you go to a spa... They dim the lights, they light a candle, and they put on elevator music, okay? And you're soaking, okay? It's therapeutic. Listen, the presence of God is therapeutic. You, you need to know that. We're trying, th listen, this is a free spa day and you didn't even know it. Okay, so, look, by truly being present with patience, New teaching in the medical field. I've told you this before, but just bear with me. By truly being present with patients, physically, emotionally, cognitively, and spiritually, nurses bring comfort and care. Advanced healthcare network for nurses. 
They're teaching nurses now that when you go into a room of a sick person, don't just go in there physically, mechanically, but go in there in spirit, soul, and body. Let your mind be there. Let your heart be there. Let your spirit be there because you are going to bring healing to people when you do that. Therapeutic. Therapeutic medical attention. Church should be therapeutic. When you come to church, this should be therapeutic for you. This should be. You should leave here better than you came. You should come in one way and leave another. We call that transformed. You should come in one way with an attitude and leave with a better attitude, transfigured. We should, you should change. Listen, if church is not changing you, we need to rethink church. If church is not changing our society, we need to rethink church. But we need to realize that this moment is therapeutic. The word glory, as you know, kabod, is to be heavy. That's why when the presence of God gets on people, they either bow their head, they bow their knees, they fall to the floor, they go prostrate, they begin to weep, they're broken. It's because the glory of God is a heaviness that gets on you. It's like God the Father taking his children, tucking them into bed, pulling the comforter up to their chin, and kissing them on the forehead and putting us in that place of peace and rest. That is my ideal of church. To come in here and have my father tuck me in, kiss me on the forehead and say, now son, just lie there in therapeutic presence and be restored. The kabod is the therapeutic presence of God. His glory is. Exodus 33 verse 14. Moses says, I got to lead these people. These darlings of yours, he said, I got to lead them. You're going to have to go with me. You're going to have to help me. And God said to him, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Exodus 33, 14. There is no way to lead people. Not that people are good, bad. That's not the issue. There's no way to lead people though without the strength of the Lord. You have to be in a place of rest. Leadership has a responsibility not to divide, but to unite. Leadership has responsibility not to release chaos, but to release peace. Leadership, good, strong leadership, is able to step up in a moment and shift the atmosphere and calm things down. Moses said, I'll lead these people, but you've got to help me. God says, I will go with you, and I will give you rest. Rest. That's why... Leaders, when everything, everything is shaking and everything's falling apart, leaders can step up and bring leadership and shh, now hang on, it's going to be okay. And that's what we do as the church. We come into a chaotic situation and because of the presence of God, we're able to calm things down. The word rest there means to rest, to settle down and remain steady, just remain to settle down. That's why I believe that right now where we are in a nation is a tipping point. And I personally believe that some good things can happen if we can bring people to the table to talk and to listen and to learn and to work together. Always in history, uh, change has always been violent. And it's always the, the tension. Now, I'm not advocating violence. Please don't misquote me, but it's always, change has always been difficult. It's always been a challenge. 
And so right now, we need, we need to pull people together. We need, to, we need to settle this nation down, though. And we need to talk and learn. And we need to move forward. We need to change, grow, come, become better as a people. We can if we, do the, if, we, if we will do this with the help of the Lord. You see, when we step into God's glory, we step into the realm of rest. That's why David said, I'd, I'd fly there, I'd run there. I, if I could, I, I can't get. And, and, and that's why Holy Spirit's saying, you can't go there, but I can bring it here. A realm of rest. Right now in this room could be a realm of rest. The glory of God therapeutic presence. That's why right now we need to be safe and responsible. We need to find a way to do church without doing harm. But churches are essential. Why? Because it's the therapeutic presence of God. People, people desperately need to be in God's presence. Now, you can have God's presence in your home. You can have God's presence in your car. I'm not, I'm not discounting that. But there's something dynamic about corporate worship. And the brethren come together in community, those that are able to. And so people need this therapeutic presence. The third thing I want you to notice here with Jacob is that heaven is more than a place. It's a person. And that's what the church understands. It's not geographical, going to go there. It is a person. Let me, can I show you how God does church? Just never thought of it this way until yesterday, but... This is how God does church. Revelation 21, 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And that's the first one I want you to notice. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Uh, verse number 4. The second thing, notice. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, sorrow, crying. There shall be no more pain. And then third thing is, for the former things have passed away. Now, leave that on the screen until I'm done, guys. Hold it there. One, two, and three in verses three and four. Three points I want you to notice real quick. The tabernacle of God is with man. You do know he's talking about Christ, amen? Because in John chapter one, verse 14, he said the word, it was, it was made flesh, and he came and dwelt or tabernacled with us. The word was made flesh, and he tabernacled with us. Do you understand that God gets in the middle of your mess? God looked down and saw a mess, and he sent his son down there to get right in the middle of it. The mess. We preached that on a Christmas here several years ago, that there's a miracle in the mess. Jesus was born not in a palace, not in the temple, but in a nasty, stinky uh, manger with, with, uh, with manure and dust and dirt and flies and hay and stench. Nasty. Nothing sanitized. Not the way you would expect a king or the son of God to be born. But that taught us something, that God is in the middle of your mess. There's a miracle in your mess. God, God gets involved in your mess and in my mess. God looks at it and says, that's a mess. Let's go down there and get in the middle of it. God came to tabernacle with man. God left heaven to come down here to do church with us. And here we are in America. And so oftentimes we're, we're, we're segregated, we're exclusive, like we don't want that element in our church and we don't want that element in our church and we don't want those people in our church and, well, we don't want that, you know, and, and we're so, we're just exclusive and we have this country club mentality 
and not understanding that God left heaven to come tabernacle. He came to do church with us. The second thing, notice there, is that he said, I'm going to wipe away your tears. And God will wipe your face and change your countenance. He wants to transfigure you. He wants your countenance to change. When you come to church, as I said earlier, God wants you to come in with a, a sad look on your face and leave with a smile. He's going to wipe your face today. Father God, how many of your mom, how many of you, your mama, you fell down, you scraped your knee, you, you know, you hurt yourself, you got a boo-boo, and she takes you in, and she sets you on her knee, she gets a hot wash rag, and, and she, she wipes your tears, and she kisses on you, and she puts, it's an ordeal. It's 20 minutes. Am I the only one that had a mother like that? Okay. When... The boy falls and scrapes his knee and daddy's there. He picks him up. He brushes the dirt off the, he spits on it, kind of rubs the spit in on the cut. And then he says, okay, get back on the bike. It's amazing what spit will do. But that's what your father does today. You know how I know that? Because there is, as I've taught you before, and I don't have time to get into the theology, but you'll remember it. There is what's called the soft side of God. It deals with his presence and his glory, the soft side of God. That's where the Jews look at it. When the glory of God came, it was the soft side. That's the father taking you on his lap and washing your face with a warm wash rag and saying, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. That's what people need today. That's what people are hungry for, to wash your face. The third thing is, is the former things are passed away. Former things are passed away. God will give you a momentary reprieve in this moment. Listen, I'm not foolish. I know that when I walk out them doors today that COVID-19 is waiting on me on the sidewalk. I know the protests are waiting on the sidewalk. I've got to go to a, to a panel discussion this afternoon at 3.30, and I'm on a panel with, with a council member and law enforcement and pastors, and I've got to be on a, on a panel to discuss the present unrest in our nation. And I know that that's waiting on me. So I know it's all out there. It's waiting on me, COVID-19 and the unrest. I've got to deal with this. I've got to pick this fight up, and I've got to fight it again. But for this one moment, in this time slot, from 10 o'clock till I'll let you out. Until then, in this one brief moment, I get a reprieve. I get a reprieve. And my father says, it's going to be okay. Ephesians 2, 6. Raised us up together. Say together. The ecclesia made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Did you know that physically we're living here, but spiritually we're reigning there with him? Oh my God. If, you can't, if you'll get that theology in your mind, it'll change your world. I may be physically confined to planet earth, but I sit in a place of authority with him. And you have to know that we're being raised up together. Okay? So what does it mean? The higher we lift him in praise, the higher we're lifted in our seat of authority and dominion. That's why worship is so important. That's why I've said to you a thousand times, you invoke his presence with your worship and I'll provoke his hand with my faith. That's what that means. 
So when you come in here as a corporate body and you lift him up in praise and worship, suddenly you start feeling something. You go up a notch. You go, whoo, man, I feel something. And you keep going a little deeper and they go, whoo, I feel the anointing, I, God's glory. And then you, you feel that. And then suddenly we've lifted him to a place where our authority and our dominion has been lifted up with him and now signs and wonders and miracles. That's why we cannot call this a song service. It has to be a worship experience. That's why you can't come in and spectate. You've got to come in and participate. This is not a concert. This is not a show. This is not a simple performance. This is the ecclesia coming together to praise and worship and lift up the King of Kings so we can create a moment where miracles can take place and people are transfigured, they're transformed and we change the world for Christ. Thank you for listening to the Cathedral Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit icathedral.org.